Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I am the original talk show windbag. Peter King in Lake Forest, Illinois with the Bears. I'm Peter King. Hall of Fame writer. The must-read column every single week, Peter King. The great Peter King. Peter King is back. 40 years covering the NFL. 40 years. Host of the Peter King Podcast. Peter already called for him to be, you know... Who did? Peter King? No, PETA. The group that is the people against the ethical treatment of animals. Football morning in America. Not all of us are called King. Not all of us get to walk around with the moniker of King. NBC Sports. After having a long conversation with the NFL's vice president of international stuff. Peter King. I want my general manager to not give a crap what Kenny from Kankakee wants. Somewhere in Kankakee. There's a Kenny. who just jumped up off what the happened? couch. What did I do? What did I do? Peter. What's with the side swipe? Peter. It's normally, Peter. A, it's normally a bob. This is unbelievable. Kankakee. I'm kid from the Grand Park, Illinois, that's just trying to be the best he could possibly be every day. Oh, there he is. We love you, King. Peter King with Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score. He'll be here soon. Mm. I just love that intro. It's so ridiculous and over the top, but hilarious. Mm-hmm. And the drama, we love you, King, which is about a horse ra- uh, a racehorse. And then he's not there. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. That happens. It's, it's, uh, I know, it just it makes it's life as we know it. I'm very busy anyway. I'm over here reading Bill Barnwell's piece about Dude. Caleb Williams and or Justin Fields, really about the Bears' decision. And it is exhaustive. Goes through every aspect of the thing. In detail with some, you know, some some options and some imagined imaginatory, uh, you know, trade situations and such. I had trouble sticking the landing on that sentence. You did. Let's go with imaginative. Yeah, yeah, you did. That's I think a, imaginatory. You haven't gotten to the end yet, have you? No, I'm, not, I'm still All going. Because right, well, he does reach a conclusion. But I don't want to spoil it for you. It honestly, he puts so much work into it. I legitimately feel like it's a spoiler. So I'm not going to tell oh, you. Oh, I thought you meant I hadn't gotten to the end of the sentence. Is there a second half to this story, or was that <laughs> a dramatic five dollars? Yeah, end of the article. I did end the article. I didn't end my sentence. You finished yet. the article. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because he, he tries to quantify. The draft picks that they would get, they would get back. Yeah, and the production that Fields would have going forward, based on a hypothetical contract extension mm-hmm. that they would give him. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, it, it was really interesting to me. Like he was, he, he was basically using like Daniel Jones's contract for a Fields extension, and then he was he was using Jared Goff for expected production of a number one pick. Which I thought was interesting because, like, I fucking like if the Bears drafted Caleb Williams and he ended up being Jared Goff, it would be a huge disappointment. And he writes, he's like, you would, of course, the Bears, of course, are hoping that it would be a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow level of production. 
but there's no guarantee for that. So because he's like, so he's trying to like average out mm-hmm. number one pick quarterbacks for production. It, it, it was a really interesting exercise. And so, and then his conclusion was that it probably is actually more value saved to sign Fields and trade the pick, which I thought was interesting. Because and he said he's like, I went into it assuming that it would be to draft Caleb and not. But then there was like a whole paragraph of qualifiers of, mm-hmm. but you could quibble with any of the assumptions that are made here about what they would get back in a trade, what fields would be going forward, and what you think they're going to actually get out of that quarterback. Well, and I it cert- shifted. It was really interesting. I certainly appreciate the spirit of open-ended curiosity that goes into something like that. Yeah, and then and we'll do. We can do some of the specifics on it later. But like he was like, what would a trade look like if they traded to? Two with Washington. What would it look like if they traded to three? Yeah. What would it look like if they traded all the way to Atlanta's pick or the Raiders pick? It was. It was. It was. What good. players might you get back? Draft picks, etc. You'll get as a text request a nice solid book report from us um, a little bit later on in the show as as we talk about that and and we'll learn we'll learn a lot of uh, a lot more um, as we continue to scout Caleb Williams positive and negative. Learn everything we can between now and the draft. But. Right now on the line, Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. Hello, Peter. What's up, fellas? How are you? We are doing very well. Thank you. Um, wanted to know if you agreed with a colleague of yours in the uh, the news-breaking business and covering the NFL. Albert Breer in his mailbag uh, posted within the last hour uh, that he would – expect if the bears are going to trade Justin Fields and he does expect that to happen, that it would happen by early March. Uh, basically says once the league year starts, quarterback spots fill up, Kirk cousins will decide Baker Mayfield scores of others will too. So if the bears drag their feet on this, they could miss the market at the position. That's why I'd bet fields would be moved around the time of the scouting combine. If I were a betting man, do you agree with the timeline that if Ryan polls is going to move Justin Fields, it'll happen in the next month or so. Well, that's a really good question. Remember that nothing can be official until the start of the league year in March. You can obviously agree to do something before then. But I would think that once the Bears make their decision on what to do, you know, with Justin Fields, and obviously it's going to have something to do with what they think of the quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, I think they won't hesitate. I mean, you saw last year uh, where Ryan Poles basically pulled the trigger. I'm trying to remember now. I talked to him at the scouting combine on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, Saturday, I don't know, one o'clock in the afternoon, maybe mm-hmm. noon, something like that. And, you know, I think about a week later is when the trade happened. Yep, March 10th, March 10th of last year. Yeah, yeah. So it happened, you know, almost a week after I had that sort of long conversation and he detailed what their thoughts were on this. And look, Ryan Poles now, you know, like he, he, he trained under, you know, in the New England system. He trained under... Uh, Belichick and Pioli, uh, mostly Pioli, I think, and then went to Kansas City with Pioli. And he's very well-versed in timing of things and what makes sense 
and when is the smartest time to do something like this. And I'll just say one other point about this. So every year, people say, oh, my God, great year for quarterbacks. Not every year, but many years. People say great year for quarterbacks. But, you know, the Bears are in a unique position because anytime you have the first pick in the draft and it looks like you should have interest in taking a quarterback, well, you know, all the interest is around the Bears. And I think this year the interest is around them for a different reason. And that is you could make a good case. I think you could make a better case to keep Justin Fields and then to absolutely stock up the roster either with a a generational wide receiver or maybe three first-round picks that could uh, add a generational player or two to your team. Man, everybody around here is trying to read tea leaves on coaches getting hired, on uh, on things that Poles and Eberflus said at the press conference, trying to figure it out. Is the consensus out there, I, I mean, of the people that you talk to, that it's still possible they make that field's decision to keep? Uh, you know, I have to be honest with you. I've not talked to Ryan Poles, and that is the only person I would trust to basically make me lean either way on this. Mm-hmm. That makes Personally, sense. Personally, I don't see how you don't consider keeping this player. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, this will be the greatest draft choice as a trade piece in the next few years, I believe. And look, maybe it turns out that Arch Manning is some great, great player and all that stuff, but rarely are there two or maybe even three quarterbacks, depending on what you think of the LSU guy, but rarely are there two or three quarterbacks that you could argue uh, deserve very much to be taken in the top two picks. And so therefore, Look at all the teams out there. Washington, you've got to think they're going to take one. New England, absolutely. How could they not take one? And then, you know, you look at all these other teams. Atlanta is picking eighth. You know, Seattle is picking up there. And so not that high. But there's probably six or seven teams, including teams with bold general managers. Bold. Seattle. You know, John Schneider, if he wants one of these guys, he's going to find a way to sell heaven and earth to move up. So that's why, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, well, they've got to take Caleb Williams or Drake May, whatever. They've got to take this guy who could be a generational player. And I understand why people want to do it, but you just have to remember one thing. If you're wrong, you have messed up your chance to rebuild this franchise. And, you know, I don't think necessarily they'd be wrong to pick one of those guys, but I personally would much rather strengthen my roster and keep going with Justin Fields, who I bet if you took a, let me ask you guys this question. If you take a secret ballot of the 53 active players on that team in that organization, what percentage of the players would say keep Justin Fields? I don't know, 
I think it, I was going to say, I bet it'd be 75 to 80, but the vast majority of the guys on that team, I would think want to keep Justin Fields. So, and again, you shouldn't let your team be ruled by guys who might be gone in 10 minutes. I understand that, but he's a popular player in that locker room. And I think that has to count for something. We're talking to Peter King on the Parkins and Spiegel show. And, um, Odyssey Insider Calls, of course, are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. Old Spice Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization. Um, Dramatic right turn here, but I was mad at myself for not asking you about Sports Illustrated last week. And we have an unprecedented journalism situation happening in Chicago at this very moment. I'm not sure if you are following what the Chicago Tribune is doing today. They are in the midst, Peter, of a 24-hour strike, first uh, strike in the history of this city, obviously a robust two-newspaper town against Alden Global Capital. The Tribune News Guild has been without a contract dating back to 2018. So the Chicago Tribune unionized newsroom is on strike for 24 hours. Uh, I guess you could tie it into the Sports Illustrated news, obviously, but curious what your thoughts are on the state of newspapers and the Chicago Tribune. My thoughts are, if we talk about it long enough, long enough, I'll start weeping. Hmm. Um, you know, look, the state of newspapers, magazines, any printed product, and look, I'm I'm not saying that it used to be great and now it stinks. It is what it is. There's no sense in whining about it, crying about it. The only thing that really gets me unhappy about this is that there are some things in life that you just need. And people can complain about the media. They can whine about the media. They can do whatever. But the fact is that the media is a watchdog. And if you look at stories over the years and you look at, for instance, the Pete Rose reporting by Jill Lieber and others in Sports Illustrated, um, the reporting we did uh, that I was a part of on the Saints and the bounty culture um, that ended up being a tremendous bombshell in the NFL and ended up the coach getting suspended for a year. And look, I'm not saying those, you know, I'm not back padding. I'm not doing anything. All I'm saying is that right now that there are many journalism entities that cannot do the proper job because everybody's getting laid off or everybody's getting fired. It's very hard right now to be a journalism student in this country and think, Oh, I'm going to get going to get a good job and I'm going to write or I'm going to report somehow for the next 40 years. That's what I thought when I got out of college at Ohio University in 1979. I thought, hey, my future is set and I'm probably in the final generation of people who were able to have a future in this business because now all my friends who were 20 years younger are all getting laid off. But I would I would only say I would only say this, that. Alden Capital has a history of ruining newspapers, period. And it's going to happen again. And they're going to take as much money out of this place as they can without caring. They'll say that they care about journalism. Just look at their history of how many newspapers they have ruined 
and how many cities are bereft of news coverage right now because of Alden Capital. It's, it's, I mean, whoever runs Alden Capital ought to be ashamed of him or herself. Yeah, that is, that is well said. That's passionate stuff from Peter King. I, you know, as you were talking about news entities that uncovered stuff, I find myself thinking about all the daily Northwestern kids that of course. Uh, uncovered yeah. things or all the Penn State journalists who, who, who did the work. And it's like increasingly this, this task of watchdog seems to fall to the young, the idealistic, and the hopeful. And maybe that's always how it was, but now they might be working for free as they're doing it. And do we as society take that for granted, those ideals and that energy? From journalists let's let's just let's divert the conversation for one minute to the nfl okay so you know nfl network nfl media nfl.com is i'm not saying it's robust i do think they're in some financial trouble but the a large number a large number of people who used to work for both broadcast and journalism entities now have their paychecks signed by Roger Goodell. Do you think that's good for news coverage? I don't. And, you know, do you think it would be good if the NFL buys ESPN? <laughs> what happens to Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta and some of the great stories, investigative stories they've done that really ticked off, you know, franchise corner or cornerstone franchises? like the New England Patriots, like the Washington Commanders. So I, I'm just I'm I'm just firing a little bit of a warning shot. Okay. When the company owns the media, all of a sudden it's not free media. It is media that has the paycheck signed by uh by the boss and they're not going to be the same kind of people covering the sports are covering the sport as we're, we're used to. It's been a pleasure to read you and talk to you and uh, we'll be doing it again for the Super Bowl and hopefully for a lot longer than that, Peter, you're the goods. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. Really appreciate you bringing attention to that. Yeah, no, I mean the whole, the whole city cares about it. I mean, at least they should, I don't, I guess I shouldn't speak for the whole city, but uh, the, the tribune is an institution in this town. So we're definitely following the story. Thank you, Peter. Take care, guys. That was Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. We have Dave Wanstead in 20 minutes. I'm sure tons of our listeners can relate to this sensation that's, you know, coursing through me as as we're having the conversation, which is that, all right, so who's going to really dig into this stuff? The kids who are working for free and are full of ideals, or maybe the people that are working for the big company that is related to the man, they're probably not going to do that. That's why independent but moneyed institutions like the Tribune matter. Yeah. Because otherwise you end up with a lot of, you know, well-intentioned journalists who don't have the resources it takes to actually dig into the stories. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. And obviously you've got a ton of thoughts on it. We can get into a little bit of it. Brad Biggs was was passionate about it today. We'll do some of that and talk a little bit more Bears before Dave Wanstead. It's uh you know those billionaire that billionaire class I was talking about yesterday? It might be the only hope.
You know what I mean? Be- Bezos owns the Washington Post. Well, and here's the thing. They've tried. I know. Bezos, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. They're losing money like crazy. I was reading He's an article about lose. that. There's several different billionaires who've bought news entities and have tried to do it. The one in L.A. just got pissed off at an editor, and the editor quit because he was trying to control something. No, but you, you need a billionaire who's willing to lose money. Hey, keep yeah. an eye out for Mark Cuban. Pick up something like Sports Illustrated and turn it into something like The Athletic. Maybe. Maybe. I mean... Also, keep an eye out for him to give me a lot of money. That'd be great. For, <laughs> for a side project. Hey, man, but, he's trying to fix the prescription drug universe. That's the thing. Right. He, that is, that, he's chosen his fight in that way. Yeah. But he can, he's got enough money to choose more fights. But that's a, that's a hell of a fight that he's chosen. I agree. You know, that's, that, that's a great one. So uh, we will talk to Dave Wanstead in 20 minutes. Parkinson's Beagle on the score.